0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. All right. Let's go for half an hour. We'll be done. Then I'm going to hand over to Pete. And then we're going to leave some room for tea and coffee and all that afterwards. How's that sound? Excellent. I want you, if you would, just close your eyes for a moment. And imagine that you are in the restaurant of your choice. Whatever that might be, for some of the more older, senior, mature, sophisticated people, it could be a nice Chinese restaurant. For some of our young people, it could be Hungry Jacks or McDonald's. I don't know. But this is a question I want to throw open my talk with this evening as you imagine yourself sitting in the restaurant of your choice, the question is this, if you had the choice, would you prefer good service or bad service? If I can speak on behalf of everyone in this room right now, I think I'm in the majority when I say I hate bad service. I hate people that come to the tables and don't smile at me. I hate people that look at me as if, you know, I owe them a living or something. I hate it when I have to wait for my food. When we was on holidays more recently, Kath and I waited for two and a half hours for our food. It's ridiculous. And we were just getting irate. That's right. What? Don't you hate it when they burn your coffee? Close your eyes a moment. Imagine you're in the restaurant of your choice. I'm going to ask one more question. If you had the choice of good service or excellent service, what would you choose? I think I can answer on behalf of everyone. When it comes to the hospitality industry, we would prefer good service over bad service but we'd also prefer excellent service over good service. Am I in the right company of people yeah. tonight? Fantastic. Having said that, I want to bring a news flash to you. If you are a Christian in this place, you are in the hospitality industry. In 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9 it says offer hospitality to one another and do it without grumbling. So, when you offer someone, don't don't just do it, do it with a great attitude. Do it without grumbling. It says in 3 John 8, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. Hospitality equals us working together for the gospel, for the truth, for something bigger and above and beyond ourselves. With that in mind, I want to speak to you tonight about five star service, adopting a spirit of excellence. So that we don't just volunteer, but that we volunteer to the best of our ability. That we don't just give good service, that we give the best service. And I want to turn your attentions to the life of Solomon just one more time. We did it a couple of weeks ago. And I want to look at this man's life and what he did, because I believe we as a church in 2011 can learn from his example. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1, it says, When the queen of Sheba... Heard of Solomon's reputation, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, huge quantities of gold, and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, they talked about everything she had on her mind. Solomon answered all of her questions, and nothing was too hard. Don't you love that? We've got to get rid of the, it's too hard attitude. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was breathless. She was like, (gasps) breathless. It took her breath away. She also was amazed at the food on the tables the organization of all his officials and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and their robes and the burnt offering Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, everything I've heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe it until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. Truly, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far greater than what I was told. How happy these people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day, listening to your wisdom. The Lord your God is great indeed. He delights in you and has placed you on a throne of Israel because the Lord loves Israel with an eternal love. He has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold and great quantities of spices and precious jewels. Never again were so many spices brought in as those of the Queen of Sheba. When it came to this temple, Solomon held nothing back. It's estimated that the amount of gold used in the building of the temple was 20 plus. Of gold. In today's cost, it's estimated that the temple would cost $174 billion. Solomon held nothing back when it came to the building of the temple. And this pricked up the interest of the Queen of Sheba. And the Bible says, as we've already read, that when she saw, we live in a world that want to see Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. They've heard it. I believe they would, there's a longing in the heart to receive it. But in many parts, particularly in the Western world, they are yet to see it. Yeah. And the Bible says, when she saw with her own eyes, When she saw not just the temple, and I want you to get this. This is not just about a building. It says, when she saw the wisdom that Solomon could hold a meaningful discussion. Imagine young girls coming to church, having been sick and tired of all the deadbeats out there. And they come and meet young men that can hold meaningful discussions and don't just want to get them into bed. Imagine that. Imagine if young girls could see that. She saw that Solomon could hold a meaningful discussion. She saw the skill that was involved in the temple. That people that were working in the temple were good at what they did. When she saw the palace, and this palace was better than anything you're ever going to see in better homes and gardens. This was the best home and the best garden. Not just that, when she saw the food. When she saw the attendants. When she saw that they were well organized and well dressed and willing to serve. When she saw the cup bearers and those offering drinks. And cappuccinos and lattes and chai lattes and tea with a twist of lemon. When she saw all this with her own eyes and when she saw the offerings, the extravagant offerings being presented to God, when people see us worshipping and giving extravagantly, not just standing there with our finger up our nose, bored stiff, but these were lavish offerings to the Lord. It says when she saw all this, she was breathless. It took a breath away. In other words, what Solomon had built definitely had the wow factor. Everything he did was with a spirit of excellence because he had an excellent spirit. Are you catching this tonight? The moment you mention excellence in church, people get nervous Because excellence is usually associated with money in people's thinking. And they think, okay, I know where this is going. He's going to ask for money. But I want to break that mentality today. I want to talk about five things about excellence tonight that will help us serve with the spirit of excellence. Not just this week, not just next week, but ongoingly. And again, I think we're pretty good at this, but I know human nature, the tendency is always to drift. So even if we were the absolute best at this, we would still drift. We wouldn't drift toward greatness. We drift away from greatness. We have to be reminded about greatness. You never have to be reminded about mediocrity. It happens automatically. If you do a house up and do the gardens up and it looks immaculate and leave it and say, that's it. No more maintenance ever needed. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. And so I feel like in some ways I'm preaching to the converted, but I know within the heart of each and every one of us, there is a tendency to drift. So I want you to listen, and I want you to get a fresh revelation about these things today. What is so important about excellence? You ask. Thank you. I'm going to tell you. Number one, excellence represents God well. Excellence represents God well. When she saw the excellence, and realised that you know Solomon was was a Christian, a God fearing man, her attitude toward God changed, because what she saw reflected an excellent God, and our God is excellent. In Psalm eight verse one, it says, "O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Your name in all the earth." We serve an excellent God. And this excellent God does excellent things. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, it says, The Lord looked over all that he made and saw that it was excellent in every way. You see, there really is a connection between God and excellence. In 1 Kings chapter 10 verse 9, it says, The Lord your God is great indeed. She saw all the things that Solomon had done and built and made and said, Wow, your God really is great. Your God really is excellent. Your God really is amazing. Is this making sense today? We see that a man by the name of Daniel, who came before the king of his day. It says in Daniel chapter 5, verse 14, I have heard of you, that the spirit of God is on you, and that light and understanding and excellence and wisdom are found in you. The king wanted to meet with Daniel. Why? Because there was excellence in him. I believe excellence represents God well. Back in AD 125, an Athenian philosopher wrote in defense of the Christian faith to Emperor Hadrian. He said this, speaking of the Christian people, they do not commit adultery or immorality. Their wives, O king, are as pure as virgins and their daughters are modest. Their men abstain from all unlawful sexual conduct and from impurity. In the hope of recompense that is to come in another world. I tell you, if we could just adopt an excellent spirit, we would represent God far better than we do with a poor, meany, uh, mingy, mean, stingy, that's what I'm after, stingy, mean little spirit. Being small and stinty does not represent God well. Being extravagant and being excellent represents God well. Secondly, excellence is an attitude. See, excellence is not a matter of money. It's not a matter of budget. It's not a matter of gifting. It's an attitude. And this attitude was first seen in Solomon's father, King David. It was King David who had in mind to build the temple of the Lord. Because he said, how is it that I live in such an incredible palace? but the Ark of the Covenant lives in a tent. That's not right. It's not right that I live better than the presence of God. There was this attitude that wanted something better for his God. So it never starts with money. It starts with an attitude. It starts with the desire that I want to live better before my king. I want to represent him well. Excellence is simply doing the best you can with what you have. When we first started our church, we didn't have anything. We had no experience. We had no money. We had no equipment. We had no reputation. We had nothing, but we had ourselves. And I remember saying to the church, I said, we don't have much, but we have ourselves. And I want us to come with a great attitude. And we might not have all the music of the day, but we can sing. And we can sing to the best of our ability. And that's what we did. We bought our best. We didn't wait till we had all this before we started singing. We just sang on a tiny little keyboard, which was drowned out because there was no amplification when we started singing. It probably sounded horrible to the natural hearing, but I want to tell you there was something that was put into our DNA from those early days, just doing the best we can with what we had. When we moved into our second building, we'd kind of got a little bit of money together and it always bothered me that there was lino on the floor and it never felt quite like home. And it wasn't our property, so you know we couldn't really go and put carpet into it because it wasn't ours to put carpet. But I said, how can we make this feel more like home? And we had just enough money to get some carpet together, so we made massive, six massive rugs. They were about 10 metres long by about 2 metres wide and we just rolled them all out and just carpeted the place. Because we wanted it to feel like our home for the time that we were there. And it's doing those little things. Excellence is doing the best you can with what you've got. And so if you're single, don't wait till you're married. Do the best you can as a single person. If you're unemployed, don't wait till you've got a job. Do the best you can while you're unemployed. Offer your time to people. Volunteer your time. And in volunteering your time, do the best you can in that job. Who knows, it may lead to employment. It's about doing the best you can with what you've got and where you're at. So my question is, what's the attitude towards the things that you are doing? What's the attitude towards the things that you have in your possession right now? Maybe you don't have the biggest home on the street, but it can be the tidiest home. What's your attitude toward your family? Maybe you can't afford to take your kids to the snow or overseas, but you can spend time with them. You've got to catch this. Excellence is a spirit. It's not a budget. It's not money. It's an attitude. This is, I want to give my kids the best. And I don't have the kind of money that others do to go to the snow. And nor should I make them feel guilty about them going to the snow. This is about what I have. And what I have, I want to freely give. The Bible says, freely you've received, freely give what you've received, not what you haven't received, not what you haven't got, but what you have received. So when we come to church and we put a hand up for car park and we put a hand up for coffee and we put a hand up for all of these things that we do, let's do it to the best of our ability. Near enough's not good enough. Let's do our best. Is this making sense? Thirdly, excellence speaks. The temple And all that was in it was a statement about God. Brian Houston says, everything about you says something about you. Do you know that? People are reading you like a book. Paul says it this way, that we are living letters. People are reading us. And our building should prophesy. Do you know that if we had an old derelict building with a leaking roof and stinking carpet, and chairs that were uncomfortable, all of that would say something about us. Do you know that? Likewise, if we can have an excellent building, an excellent accommodation, it says something about us. It says something about our priorities. It says something about we prioritize God and, and, and people give of their finance, which enables us to do what we do. And so excellence speaks and our building should speak. We've had many people come here in the, in the middle of the week, servicemen doing whatever it is, the lights or the gas bottles or the what, and they will come into our building, there's, there's no one preaching and the building arrests them. And it's so funny how many swear words have been said in this building. Because when you are unsaved, when you are far from God, and when you've adopted certain vocabulary, it doesn't change just because you walk into a building. And so the way they express something is the way they express something. So if they go to the football and enjoy the match, they go, oh, that was great. They're not being rude. They're just expressing how great it was. And so we've had people come in here. No one's speaking. No one's preaching no one's prophesying but in the silence and the stillness of a midweek people go man this is unbelievable i can't believe it's church and it's speaking to them because excellence speaks and our building should speak our services should speak just what we do should speak how we respond should prophesy and speak the way we serve should prophesy. You know, we were we were kind of it was almost it was like a term of endearment as we, we mimicked Brucey, but you know what we're saying is we love the enthusiasm, we love the energy that Bruce conducts the cars. We love it. Wow. Far better than oh, whatever. Or just chatting to someone and cars are going by, smashing into each other. Hey, who struggled parking a car tonight with no car park attendance? We thought we'd give them all a night off and just rest them up and just bless them and chaos in the car park. We need them. And so this week when you serve, do it with excellence. Do it to the best of your ability and it will speak. Mick has got story after story of how the service of our kids and the care and the thought and the detail that goes into our kids' ministry just ministers powerfully to the parents. And Mick gets compliment after compliment for what is taking place in our kids' ministry because it speaks. Our coffee should prophesy. You know, just because not everyone tells you how bad the coffee is doesn't mean it's bad. Or so it doesn't mean it's not bad. People will kind of make assessments about these things, whether it's a service, whether it's a coffee, whether it's a food. And so our attitude, if you're going to make coffee, make good coffee. Life's too short to drink bad coffee. Life's too short to eat burnt chips or oil-saturated ones or whatever. Let's do the best we can. It shouldn't be just that. Well, I should just be happy they got a coffee. No, it's got to be the best because excellence speaks. When you make a good coffee, it says there's thought. It says there's care. It says there's pride. It says there's experience. It says there's there's Love. love. Especially if you do a heart on top. How many know what I'm on about? Yeah, yeah. See, it's not just about money. I want to break the mentality that oh, the church just want your money, and what you're really saying is you don't want to give your money. That's what you're really saying. And there they go talking about excellence again. What you're really saying is I don't want to. I don't really care. We're trying to break that attitude and that mentality. If a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Someone said, a wise man speaks, or sorry, wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools speak because they have to say something. If you have marriage problems and you want help, I would encourage you to go to someone with an excellent marriage. You getting it? Because excellence gives us the right to be heard. And the problem with many Christians, their words don't match their lives. And we can't, sorry, people can't hear what we're trying to say because of our lives are speaking louder than our words. Can you imagine if we said, come to Jesus, and everything about us was poor and broke and stingy and small and smelly and rotten Come give your life to Jesus, like what? Really, really? Jesus said, Be my witnesses, he didn't say go and preach to everyone because being a witness doesn't mean you have to say anything. In fact, some of us would be better if we didn't say anything at all. He says, Be if necessary, use words, but our life should speak without even using words. And it should speak so well. And we should represent God so well that people begin to ask questions. I think that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, be my witnesses. Don't go knocking on the door, ramming the Bible down people's throat. I mentioned um, some time ago that uh, an old friend, an old acquaintance has kind of come back into our uh, world and over the last year we 've been you know just getting reacquainted and getting to know her again and their fa- her family and and uh, she 's since um, got a new boyfriend and more recently there 's been tragedy in her personal and private family, and had the opportunity to be in the hospital with her and her extended family and got to meet extended family and then there was the funeral and Pete went to the funeral on my behalf as I was unable to get there as Pete knows her quite well as well and he gets to meet the new boyfriend and the new boyfriend actually works for people in this church and today JT met that guy and there's all these things and it's like what's going on and it's not that we're ramming the Bible down their throat it's that there's something about our life That's speaking. And so excellence speaks. If you can't be a good example, you'll just have to be a horrible warning. What do you want to be? Number four, excellence is attractive. It says in verse one, when she heard of Solomon's reputation, she came. In other words, she came to see If it was true. It sounds too good to be true. So she goes to check it out. I would love a church with a reputation that sounds too good to be true. Only have to have them come and say, actually, it's far better than I ever imagined or thought. And that can be our reality. It's It's not an impossibility. If we all embrace this attitude, it's inevitable it will happen. It's inevitable that it will happen. I do believe that with all my heart. She exclaimed to the king, everything I have heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. When people begin to hear about something excellent, they will come. See, people don't travel for average. They don't. They want excellence. They want the best. And this is what you've got to understand, that people do judge excellence with their ears and eyes. That may seem superficial to you and I who judge things with our heart because we're Christians. The people we're trying to reach, the people we're trying to reach don't judge with their heart. They judge with their eyes. They judge with their ears. They judge by what they see and by what they hear. And so it's so important that what we give them to see and hear is of an excellent quality. Because they're not interested in our heart or our intentions. They don't come and say, you know, when we was doing the bloke, we had one shot at grabbing the attention and the imagination of those guys. Because I know when you're dealing with a kind of people that we had come that night, when you're dealing with some of the bikies that we got into the building that night, they're not going to say, oh, God, bless them. I can see what they were trying to do. Oh, bless them. They use other language. And they get ticked off that we've wasted their time. And so we get one shot and so we have to make sure that what they see and what they hear is attractive to them. And the only way it's going to be attractive is if we do this well. And a lot of the planning and preparation was that we've got to make this thing, we've got to do it well. We've got to do it well. And the reason we've been doing it more recently and not earlier on is because we couldn't have pulled it off that well. Is this making sense? And so we want to do these things well. My last point tonight very quickly is excellence begets excellence. Proverbs says, birds of a feather flock together. People with an excellent spirit want to be around people with an excellent spirit. Queen of Sheba heard about Solomon's excellence, his brilliance, his wisdom, and she just wanted to be in on that. And I believe that we can attract more people. People with giftings, people with finance, people with talents, people that can actually help us build the church. People that have doors opportunity to open to them into other parts of Adelaide, into other parts of the world. Because excellence begets excellence. If you give people your best, they'll give you their best. Have you ever wondered why sometimes you feel like people just don't treat me well? Well, do you treat them well? You reap what you sow, in other words. And so I believe with all of my heart that as a volunteer... Based in this church, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you've done. But I do want to say, come on, let's let's, this Sunday, let's make it count. If we've drifted in any way, shape, or form, if our attitude has waned in any way, shape, or form, if there's something about what we used to do that's better back then than it is now, let's change that attitude. People used to say to me, oh, young man, this is when I was in my teenage years, oh, young man, when you get to our age, you'll settle down because you'll come to a place of maturity and wisdom. And I thought, my goodness, how can I settle down? If I've been reading my Bible, if I've been seeking God's face, why should I be less passionate about the things of God today? I tell you, as I've studied the Word of God over the years, I get more and more appreciative of what Jesus Christ did for me, and I feel more and more indebted. I don't ever take it for granted what Jesus Christ has done for me. And Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I have come to serve. And if people who call themselves Christian by name refuse to get involved in serving God in some way, shape or form, I have to question how real their conversion is. How real and meaningful it is. I'm not asking you to serve this church because I'm asking you to. That motivation might just get you through to the next Volunteers Night. I pray that your eyes will be opened to what Jesus Christ has done for you. And on your loneliest, darkest day, you'll serve again because of what Jesus has done for you, not because of what I'm asking of you. Will you stand with me? I'd love to pray with you. Father, I want to thank you for every precious person in this church that has made it what it is today. I want to thank you for the endless and countless hours that have gone into serving you. The things that have done that have been seen and the many things that have been done that have not been seen. I want to thank you, dear God. And I pray your richest blessing upon each and every precious person. And I pray, dear God, as we continue to serve you, we would not grow tired or we would not grow weary in serving you and in doing good. I ask and pray right now in the name of Jesus that every eye would be open to the magnitude and to the beauty and the majesty of who you are and what you've done. May the motivation behind all of our volunteering, may the motivation behind all of our service be based upon a revelation of who you are and what you've done. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.